computer. Oh boy. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> so hello to our friends of UCC. Uh, grateful to be here today. Um, grateful for you all for joining this conversation. And we're joined on this call. So we've got the Ellis fam, Drew and James and Scott and Anne. Uh, thanks for joining us here in Cincinnati. And then, of course, we're joined by our friend Leslie Hall. Hey, who hey. Hopefully found some reliable Wi-Fi. Yeah. In very thankfully so. Yeah, very good. So thanks to each of you and Leslie for just being willing to spend a little time together. I know this is your Sabbath, so I, I do hope that this is a restful space and um, that you can find some space in your week to have a proper Sabbath. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so thanks for joining. I'm going to just jump in. And Leslie, I know that not everyone watching this video will necessarily have met you or know you. So I'd like to start just with a little bit of an introduction just to give yeah. folks a better sense of who you are and then to help us locate better within your story, particularly where your story brings you today. So let me ask you a few grounding conversation or questions just to ground our conversation. Yeah. Um, you spent most of your time in Ohio, correct? You grew up in Ohio. Yeah. Grew up in Middletown, so just a little bit outside of Cincinnati. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I went to high school up at Bishop Fenwick, lived the whole like Catholic school, Cincinnati life. So that whole question of like, where did you go to high school? I, yeah, <laughs> right. resonate. You're familiar. Okay, so you went to Catholic <laughs> school. So did you grow up in the church? No, um, my parents chose Catholic school as a thing because of the like the educational value of it. I had no... Um, uh, kind of religious inklings of like how I want my kid to have a journey with Jesus. So uh, really only became a Christian when I was a teenager. Um, and then, yeah, really uh, have a lot of, uh, there's been a, like a whole healing journey with my family. And one of the most beautiful things is God has really given the church to me as family and uh, has given me lots of different moms, lots of different dads, lots of aunts and uncles, nieces and nephews, that whole dynamic. And really the church became family for me ever since I was 13 years old and never really stopped. The family just keeps getting bigger. Yeah, that's the beauty of the body of Christ, I think. Yeah. No, that's really wonderful. Okay, so you um, you attended CCU, Cincinnati Christian. Yeah. Cincinnati Christian. Rest in peace. <laughs> uh, you attended CCU. Was Bible college a long-standing desire? When did you uh, sort of when did that become a, a pull for you to go off to study the Bible? Yeah, I um I was really well discipled by my community in Middletown. I uh, it was really amazing. I I did about every Bethmore Bible study humanly possible. And I got, I was just, I was with women who just voraciously were all about scripture. So when I was like 17, 18 years old, deciding like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Like studying the Bible was the only thing I ever wanted to do and really felt the Lord call me into ministry, not with any like people group in mind, but just had a heart for the church, had a heart for seeing people get really passionate about the transformation of Jesus and the transformation uh, of scripture and, and doing kind of all the, all the Jesus stuff in a lot of ways. And I mean, a lot of the people in my community uh, back in Middletown had, were going to Cincinnati Christian. So it was really the, it felt like the only option for me. Um, so I went to CCU really fully expecting to be a scholar, really wanted to do the whole like master's PhD route. And then realized like God was a really gentle 
gentle God and said, Leslie, you love people. You don't love reading and writing papers. Like, please don't do that to yourself. So uh, kind of moved in and decided to to focus more on ministry um, as my degree. So, yeah. That's good. I didn't know that part of your story. That's really good. <laughs> what a gift to be in a community, a church community at a formative age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to disciple you well, as you said. Yeah. That's really great. So was CCU your connection to UCC as it was for yeah. a lot of people, the pipeline from CCU to UCC? Basically, yeah. I think um, I, I had a really great community of, of friends while I was at CCU and all of them ended up doing you know, internship with UCC. I was in Jamie uh, Smith's, all of his Greek classes and all of his New Testament classes. And it just was too easy. Um, I remember I took Greek with Jamie and he invited us, a few of us over uh, to watch Monty Python and like have dinner with him and Mandy. And it was kind of just like a, yeah, of course I'm going to end up going to church here because this just, it makes sense. Like these are the people who like love me, care about me and want to see me grow um, in my leadership and in, in the things that God's called me to. So UCC just made sense in a lot of ways. And especially as Mandy was uh, like in her position of leadership and me as, you know, a woman, I had to figure out like, how, how does this fit in? Like what, how do I reconcile my calling and what that looks like in the kingdom of God? And, and Mandy was a really great um, kind of mentor and, and someone who really helps me discern through like, what does it look like to follow the call that God has placed on my life? And, and UCC became a place where I could, you know, flourish and begin to like step into what that looks like in so many ways. Right. Oh, that's beautiful. I think that's a, not to go too far down the rabbit trail, but that's a noticeable gap, I think, in our city with the closing of CCU. I mean, that's a, that was, and, you know, a, such a pipeline for so many people into the local church. Um, you know, it's it's disappointing to see, you know, the, the school close, but encouraging to hear all of the different lives touched, you know, over the, the, the course of that school's history. So that's, that's great, Leslie. Okay, any, uh, you know, any reflections on your time at UCC? Oh. What was UCC to you? Wow. I think while I was at, because I, um, I, I came into UCC in the latter half of my um, at, at time at CCU and then after like post-graduation and I was involved with UCC at a really key pivotal part of my life when I was essentially going through my quarter life crisis um, <laughs> and was really discerning through so much of my life and, and what calling looked like and what do I do? I, I feel like I can't really enter into ministry in the church for so many different reasons. I didn't know what, to, know what to do. So I was sat at, at Rose Street one day got and ended up just being given a job and like got involved in coffee. And UCC just became almost like this cocoon space of like, this is what it looks like to heal. This is what it looks like to begin um, an inner journey of transformation. This is where I really began to discern through like my, my what has now become my calling as a spiritual director. All of that really like had deep rootedness within my time at UCC and in the conversations that I had, you know, at Rose street on, um, in like the evenings with like our college ministry stuff, like all, and, and having so many different conversations with, with leaders and others in the community, it was the platform in which like, I I'm doing most of the things that I'm doing now in, in all reality. Um, which is just the crazy, like 
it, like to, to really be again, to look back at it and see how God was really like connecting all the dots together. And now it like, it totally makes sense to me. So honestly, like I wouldn't, UCC was the, the place in which I would, I could grow deeper roots. I mean, kind of no pun intended. Um, but all of that ended up being the flourishing that I now get to experience here in England and here in London and that I get to share with other people, if that makes sense. Like I, that, that there's this real multiplicative kind of thing happening here that because I was deeply poured into by, by leaders and by the community of UCC, I now am able to pour that out in a space where that's just not, like, it's just not a real, that kind of thing doesn't really exist here. And it's, it's like truly just an honor and a privilege, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, that's great. I, it's interesting. We've been talking about, you know, for the church's 34, 35 year history, you know, we, we've, there's a, a grief that comes with the revolving door nature of UCC because we're in a transient environment, you know, ministering to largely college students. And at the same time, in fact, Scott being on the call here, Scott talks about UCC is like a dandelion church when a dandelion goes to seed yeah. and you blow it and it kind of goes everywhere and we've been talking about the the gift it is to you know instead of saying oh we only have you know students for this short period of time what does it look like to realize that we have students for this short period of time where if we can help in that season of their life deepen their roots just as you said deep deepen their intimacy with god and with christ as they go you know Mm -hmm. what a what a blessing what a gift so I think that's really interesting to hear that reflected some to some extent in your story that there was some foundational stuff happening in your time at UCC that sounds like has been instrumental in what you're doing. Yeah, 100%. That's really good, Leslie. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, so you attended UCC in the latter half of your education. You served at Rose Street Cafe for a number of years, got really into coffee. I know you were involved with other aspects of the ministry at uh, UCC. When when did you first begin to sense a call to the missions field, and mm-hmm. what was that like? Well, I I explicitly told God I never wanted to be a missionary, and you know what happens when you tell God I never want to do something. So, um, I uh, during my uh, what would have been my my third year at CCU, um, I actually did a internship here in the UK. Um, in a, a little suburb of, of Oxford uh, called Bicester or Bicester is kind of how it's spelled. So it's a bit bit tricky um, for the American speakers. Um, and I, I honestly, I signed up to do a 10 day mission trip with CCU and a mentor of mine saw that and said, why don't you do a 10 month internship instead? And I had never really encountered missions, never really thought of what it looks like to to be a part of the church globally and never like didn't really imagine that as part of my life and in that 10 month period got radically changed my life and gave me um so so many gifts and so many things were planted in that time that i'm i'm still kind of unraveling to this day and in so many ways um got to really transform my heart for, for places that, um, are, are deeply post-Christian. So that idea of an environment that has experienced the beauty of the kingdom at, at, in its past. But, um, there's a, a, a thinker called Mark Sayers who describes post-Christianity as, um, 
a, a culture that desires the kingdom without the king. So longs for all of the things of God's kingdom of justice, of sacrificial love and all of that. Um, but doesn't want Jesus at the center of that. And I, I realized in those 10 months when I was here, when I was, you know, 21 years old, that I, God has uniquely gifted me with, with talents and gifts that play into what it means to reach that kind of demographic. Um, and I had, so I had a taste for that and then got a really, through my time at UCC in the in-between before, like I moved here originally in 2012. And then when I moved back in 2018, a lot of that time was a, a season of God really sifting a lot within me and really preparing my own heart to be able to experience what it meant to be on mission, to be someone who's pouring themselves out in, in a community like this. Um, so that season of the in-between at UCC really was just a preparation time in so many ways to move back to England, move back into um, eventually moving into London and seeing God move in that kind of way. It was, yeah, I, I, I still, I, 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 in every like earthly way, it doesn't make sense for me to be here. Like it just, I, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense logistically, but in a kingdom sense and from a kingdom mentality, this is the thing I was created to do. And it's, the like honor and privilege of a lifetime to be able to to steward my gifts in this kind of way oh thank you for sharing that so that's interesting that how you talk about a preparation time because that's about a six-year window yeah. of preparation time which is interesting <clears throat> i've heard that similar language of this sort of we desire kingdom things uh but without the king at the center you know or we want the things of the kingdom but without the king and I think that that speaks to a lot of what we're ministering against or to or within, you know, here just on a college campus. As, as yeah, you know. 100%. So you've been serving in the UK then since 2018. Yeah. You recently said, I think in one of your newsletters, that the UK just listed Christianity as a minority religion in the country for the first yeah. time in generations. Yeah. So... Yeah, can you give us more of a snapshot of the context within which you are ministering? What are some of the differences? What are some of the things that are the same about ministering in mid mid-sized Midwestern city in America versus an international city like London? What do you know? Yeah. Um, I, when I reflect back on what it was like to be in a like a U.S. context, is most people know a Christian. They at least know someone who is involved in a church community. It will invite their their kids to a, a VBS in a, in a Sunday kind of um, situation during the summertime. Like have some kind of connection to a loving, grace-filled church community. And the difference is in somewhere like London, and especially in the... So I live in Soho, um, so kind of the dead center of the city amidst... I mean, a little bit of everything of um, just around the corner from my flat is the most sex traffic street in all of the city. Um, and you'll have, I, I regularly will brush shoulders with celebrities, but I'll also um, have regular relationships with a lot of the people experiencing homelessness in the city. Like you get a mixture of the entire world almost. And what I've come to realize in these relationships is most of the time I'm the only Christian that a lot of these people will ever meet. 
I'm the I'm the only Christian that they'll have have connection to. And there's there's a gift, real like truly a, a huge honor and privilege because I'm I'm such an oddity to so many people that it opens up so many different conversations. As soon as anyone asks the question, like if I'm in my like gym community and it's a very easy thing, like, okay, what do you do? And my first words are, I'm a spiritual director. Like people have all kinds of different mentalities of what that could be. Um, I, it, it's been a, a real, real interest. There's been a lot of real interesting conversations with that, but the real opportunity of it is, is there, there is a spiritual kind of hunger in this place um, within London, especially just really being able to, to have a, an antenna and a real sense to, okay. Um, people desire something more than what they're, they're experiencing on the day to day. Like there is a hunger for more. So you'll see people chasing it in different ways, but then to, to offer up, um, a non-anxious disposition in one of the most stressed out cities in the world is such an invitation for so many people. Um, so being able to, I mean, even just have even recently uh, the opportunity to share the gospel in the middle of a, a members only club uh, in London at, you know, 1230 at night, because I've did that all my friends invited me into this situation and someone asked the question, what do you do? And it turned into, I get to share about who Jesus is. And I mean, sometimes you get different responses, but to have a captivated audience of people who are like, wow, I've never heard anyone describe it quite like that. Or I, I think that's the way that you talk about Jesus and the way you talk about Christianity. That's something I could get behind. And that's a different way of seeing Christianity that I've, I've been delivered through the media or through, um, you know, pop culture's view of what these crazy Christians are like. like. I I can I get to offer up an alternative that actually reflects who Jesus is. And that's honestly, it's the greatest joy and honor of of my whole life. And I I still I pinch myself every day. It feels like I can't believe this is real. Yeah. And it's and the fruitfulness that I continue to see in it like is is unbelievable. I I, I still can't believe it. I there, there's two individuals specifically that I'm thinking about. And just the, like, the way God has moved over the last, like, 48 hours to see these relationships just, like, deepen and have there be so, so much, like, spiritual hunger in those things and, like, really for them to be searching that out within me is just, I can't believe it. And it's really difficult because relationships take so much time to build in this kind of context, but when it finally hits and you finally have built that trust, man, it's, it's really, really amazing. That's great. Leslie. Yeah. That's, that's really wonderful. It sounds, I mean, I'm not surprised that your ministry approach is deeply, deeply relational. It's mm -hmm. about sharing life and doing shared things like going to, you know, boxing gyms and things like yeah. and things. And I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense to me. That's really, really, Really beautiful. And I love how you talk about being just the, the power of being a non-anxious presence in a very stressed out city. I think that that speaks volumes to me as well. Uh, you know, the antidote to some of what we experience in highly urban international cities like London is simply to be non-anxious. I mean, what a 
interesting way to think about ministry. That's really good, Leslie. So I was nosing around your website, as I do, uh, a couple of weeks back, and I found myself smiling almost the entire time um, as I read about how you describe your ministry and how you talk about your calling. And I think we have a shared love for language, so that was part of why I was smiling and the importance of language. And I wonder if you can offer some reflection on um, you, how you talk about your ministry focus. So you describe your ministry focus as being the formation of resilient disciples. And I read that and I just went, yes, preach it, Leslie. So, um, so can you talk a little bit about the word formation? What does that word mean to you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, we, the, the like thing formation has kind of become a, a real kind of sexy thing to talk about within a lot of church circles. And it, it's this idea that, okay, for like formation happens intentionally. Like, oh, we need to be we spiritually formed. But the thing about formation is we're constantly being formed by the world around us, whether we like it or not. Like we, where we put our attention, where we put um, what we're thinking about, we are constantly being formed by. So we're being formed by our phones. We're being formed by um, the, the music we listen to, the relationships we have. I mean, if you, if you think about it, you end up sharing the language of those you're around you'll be able to inflect the way that other people around you inflect. You'll start using the same vocabulary. Well, with spiritual formation, I long to help people create and develop patterns and rhythms in their life to be formed into the image of Jesus. Because at the end of the, and, and I love the, the language around what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus, to be someone who draws near to Jesus so deeply that we essentially get covered in the dust as, as he walks. Like we want to be people that are deeply entrenched in doing what Jesus did, becoming more like Jesus and just spending time being with Jesus. So really adopting and helping people adopt um, patterns and practices and rhythms to be able to live those things out on a really, on a daily basis. And something that just makes sense for people's lives. Like I, I think people think that formation has to be this thing where I have to radically transform my life. I have to get, I have to become a monk. I have to move outside of the city. I have to do these things, but my, my heart and my dream is to see almost like monastic communities rise up in an urban environment to be practicing the way of Jesus for the sake of the city. And it looks like regular rhythms of prayer silence and solitude in the midst of a really noisy culture, um, radical generosity, Sabbath, uh, hospitality, all of these things that honestly lead to life for ourselves and also lead to life for those around us. So I'm really passionate about formation because, I mean, we're always going to be formed. I just want to be formed and I want to be personally formed in the image of Jesus and I want those around me to also be formed in the image of Jesus, because I take it really seriously when he said that I'm the way, the truth and the life. And if you want to have life abundantly, it's, it's following after our creator and following after the one um, who, when we can live out of uh, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dread, that same spirit that like spoke all of creation into existence, that we get to have that. And we get to walk in the world with that. Like, yeah. why would we want to do anything else? Right. So, right. Really I, good. Yeah. I said, speaking my language, sister. I think the um that image you just gave us be covered in the dust of Jesus as he walks. What a powerful, uh, what a powerful image. 
No, thank you for that, Leslie, formation. And then talk a little bit about the word resiliency. You know, it's interesting, mm -hmm. uh, me and DJ, this has come up in our conversations recently. And in this, the sector that I came from, kind of civic innovation of the past 10, 15 years, this has been a prominent word, resiliency. And he's finding it now in his work in community-led design and things like that. We want to be resilient neighborhoods. Yeah. I haven't heard too many people talk about it in the context of discipleship. But as I read, again, was reading how you were using that word, I just, I got really curious. So why resiliency? Yeah, I, I'm, to be honest, literally everything I say, I'm borrowing language from a lot of other people that are way smarter and way more wise than me. So the idea of a resilient disciple of Jesus came from research that Barna, um, they do a lot of research around like population studies and studies about how uh, Christianity is interacting within culture. And they discerned that there's only a very small population of those who claim to be Christians who would fall into the category of a resilient disciple, someone who's shaped by the word, someone who is in deeply invested in a church community, has prayer at the center of who they are, and, and lives out of a true identity of being transformed by Jesus. And the idea of being resilient is, I, I tie it back to a, a promise that Jesus spoke, is that in this world, you will have trouble take heart that I have overcome the world, that Jesus is the one who overcomes. And we have that the spirit of the one who overcomes and the spirit of the one who's interceding on our behalf at the right hand of the father. Like that's, that's our identity. That's who we are. So we're constantly going to need to be resilient as disciples of Jesus in this world. Like we will experience hardship and we will experience, um, I think even, even further and further down the line, kind of the, the viewpoint that I, that I see culture kind of going down, like it is really going to only get harder and, and more difficult. And that's not something that should be a surprise to any of us. Um, but it also, honestly, in a lot of ways, something that we can rejoice in to recognize that if we share in the sufferings of Christ, we'll also share in, in the beauty of the resurrection of Christ. Um, so in, in thinking about resiliency, it's, it's choosing to cling to, Cling to Jesus and trust that in in anything that feels like death, that there's always going to be resurrection that comes in that, and that that's something that we get to rejoice into. So, yeah, when I think about resiliency, it's it's tied together with formation. It's tied together with what it means to to choose Jesus in the midst of things, saying do the complete opposite. And and I think the only way you can really do that is within community. Um, that you need people alongside you to be spurring you on because if we try to do it alone, it, we, there's, there's no way, there's yeah. no way. And yeah. that's the beauty. I, that's why community is, is the utmost importance uh, of what it means to be a resilient disciple. You have to have people alongside you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. You bring that into your, your thinking there, right? Formation within Christian community, as opposed to this, just, we think it's kind of one direction. We have our own spiritual yeah. experience and relationship with God. It doesn't quite work that way. Yeah. It just becomes like a weird self-help thing at that right. point and becomes, right. um, yeah, just real devoid of the kingdom of God, which, right. if, yeah, it just, it lacks the real heart of Jesus to be living for the sake of the other. Right. And missing the missional piece, right? Like we're formed for mission. There's that whole scent thing, you know, to tie it back to what you're in London. I mean, they're, they're, you're there to join what God is already doing in London. And so the formation isn't just for our own edification. 
it is for mission and uh, yeah and that has to happen within the context of community to be a movement, right to be a movement um to join this great christian movement yeah Good stuff, Leslie. So um, I know leadership formation is something that you're passionate about. I think I read that your title with Gem or your role with Gem is landing pastor, landing yeah. pastor for Gem UK, G-E-M. That's the missions organizations you're with. Yeah. Um, so that seems to have a leadership equipping component mm-hmm. with it. Tell us just uh, a little bit more about what's the day-to-day of your work. So like nuts and bolts, what are you doing? And and I I, I qualify like, seasons of prayer and abiding <laughs> yeah um, but what are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah I it's it's a focus on my own spiritual formation so you know regular rhythms like I, I have a rule of life that I live by I have rhythms of prayer that I live by and then really just meeting with people and helping them do the exact same thing so my role as a landing pastor within a uh, greater Europe mission and within the United Kingdom as a whole is for the first year of anyone coming into the organization and coming into this field, I become their spiritual director and they're kind of like cultural Sherpa in a couple ways of helping people acclimate to, this is how you live in a new culture. These are the frameworks that you can adhere to. And this is how you set up a rhythm that leads to long-term fruitfulness rather than burnout. Um, So that's Part of my role, so I meet with individuals um, in different kind of capacities, really hands-on at first, and then as you get further into your year, letting letting them kind of fly out of the nest a little bit more. Um, and then as a spiritual director, I meet with individuals um, for both spiritual direction and spiritual formation. I kind of like to differentiate between these two things. Within spiritual direction, it's just setting time uh, to be attentive to the conversation that God's continuously wanting to have with each of us. So a lot of it will look like a counseling kind of environment, but rather than me offering any kind of advice or offering to you know help fix different situations, I create space, ask questions to allow people to, to make space to hear from God more and to be attentive to how God is, is moving and shaping within themselves um, and just kind of, again, be a spiritual companion with them along their journey. Um, And then in that kind of sense, a a real prayerful sense in spiritual direction with spiritual formation, it's doing all of the like, how can you create a rule of life? How can you build your life um, around the teachings and practices of Jesus? And and what does it look like to really make that very tangible, really practical? Um, Reading the Bible with people, um, meeting to help do any kind of discipleship stuff. And that, that looks like grabbing coffees at times. That looks like uh, going with people to Ikea, like just doing it in a daily kind of way. Um, It doesn't have to be ridiculously formal. It can be as mundane as going to Tesco, like a local grocery together and, you know, just doing life that way, cooking a meal together, um, meeting up at the pub for a few drinks, uh, watch the World Cup matches and have a conversation at the same time that is is deeply about following the way of Jesus in ordinary spaces. That's great. Sounds like Jesus. <laughs> good. Meals together, walking with one another. That's really good. Crazy. Good stuff. And boxing as well. I, I do. Well, um, I yeah, so I used to be a part of a gym. Okay. Um, and one of the key community parts of that was a boxing community where um, it 
it's the craziest thing. Like I don't, I still don't really understand how God got me into this space, but it is like, it is just a community of people who just want to be around each other all the time and invite me into that. And now are deeply invested in coming to hear me preach and hear me do different things on Sundays, like come to our carol service tomorrow, like all of these things. And I'm like, this, this is a group of people that should never walk into a church, but are somehow now deeply invested in, in following, uh, like they're, they're following me as I'm following Jesus. And I hope that they eventually end up following Jesus as well. And it's, I still, honestly, this, it's a really, it's a ragtag group of people. And I absolutely love every single one of them. Amazing. Well, that that's a good segue into, you know, as you just reflect on the last six months or so, um, what's that been like for you? What are some, what's some of the fruit you're seeing? You've shared some of that. What have been some of the challenges? What's this, what's this been about for you? Yeah. Um, within that boxing community, I, there, there's a gal who she's probably one of my favorites in the group. And we had a conversation a couple of days ago we're talking about music. She helps run a really cool music venue here in London. And we were chatting and turns out she mentioned something about music. And she said, well, I could play some Hillsong for you and you'd probably really enjoy that, wouldn't you? And I was like, how in the world do you know about Hillsong? So ended up finding a little bit about her story. Like she, she went to church as a kid, fell out of it for a lot of honestly, like justifiable reasons was really, really deeply hurt. But we ended up chatting for about two hours, um, uh, just in a pub the other night. And she texted me and it was a really beautiful conversation. She was really keen to um, potentially come check out the church that I'm involved with. I was like, Jesus, if I have only been in this boxing community for her to like come back into a deeper relationship with you, then it was literally all worth it. Like every single bit of it, every ounce of sweat, every, like every bit of effort and energy, totally worth it for her. And then she texted me the next day and just was like, Hey, I really appreciate that conversation. That was, that was so good. I am so thankful for you. And I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't believe it. And like, she, so that's one situation and then like, it's just, it's been wild. Um, in the new church community that I'm serving with in an area of London called Shoreditch, it's been absolutely phenomenal to develop more spiritual direction relationships and, and see more and more, especially like young women in the same kind of, you know, late twenties, early thirties kind of community who were just ridiculously passionate about prayer. And they're coming to me and they're like, how can we create better rhythms of prayer in our life. So we we're beginning to create a community of, of just deeply prayerful women who want to pursue Jesus in that. And that's just been a huge answer to prayer in so many ways of like, I think when, when a community gets really passionate about prayer and really passionate about pursuing God in, in like the secret places, I think there's huge things that God wants to do uh, on the back end of that. I think there's I think there's revival on the other side of that. And I'm really excited for the next year of ministry uh, in a lot of ways, because I think there's going to be a lot of fruitfulness. Um, but as far as like challenges, um, yeah, it's 
it's been tricky. I, um, I had two housemates that I lived with, um, for most of my time living in London and both of them ended up moving away for, for different, really beautiful reasons. Um, but now I, my living situation is in a bit of a new kind of environment. It's, it's not bad by any means. It's just uh, learning new rhythms. Um, there's, there's been, I've, I've been sick pretty much all year. Um, it's been really, really tough. Um, had COVID twice, bronchitis, like colds, like it just, it felt like, um, just a really tough year in a lot of ways. Um, I start out every year with like a phrase or something I prayerfully kind of feel like God's really leading me into. And this year, uh, my phrase was ruthlessly pursue joy. And I was really fixated on the joy portion of that statement. But I had over the last year, it's been more of a ruthless, like that's had to be the real key piece of it. It has, it has been really difficult in, in all reality. Um, to continue to show up every day um, for health reasons. Uh, I've had some financial, like because of the financial support aspect of my life and, and what that looks like, having lost a lot of that for no other reason than the economy is rubbish right now and people are deeply struggling. And that affects the people I love and it in turn affects the way in which I have to do things. So things kind of had to hit the chopping block of, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. Can't do this. And the gym membership was part of that. And what I love is that God is so good that even though, yes, I'm no longer able to be there on a daily basis, like those people still want to maintain relationships. So I'm thankful for the ways that, you know, God solidified those relationships in the time that I I had the capacity to be in that community. And even now that that's, that can't exist anymore, like God is still carrying that through and God is still really opening doors with those people. So, um, yeah, what the enemy intended for evil, like God, God can turn into good and what feels like lack at times is actually like, there's, I, I, I really do like try to trust that like we serve an abundant God and that. I'm going to be provided for no matter what, uh, and just really continue to walk in that. Yeah, no, that's good, Leslie. Thanks for sharing as well. I think it's easy to just point to like your wonderful things, but the reality is, yeah, this is hard. Ministry is hard. Living is hard. Living's um, hard sometimes. Hard. I think there's a reason they call it the human condition. I think it's like it's it's challenging, uh, you know, to to continue to faithfully walk day after day after day, knowing that the enemy's always trying to trip us up. So yeah. thanks for sharing that as well. That's good to know some of the struggle. And so, yeah, so I want to talk just briefly in this by way of close as we as we sort of wrap up. Um, we, London's not cheap, right? So you are tasked with raising your own support. That's no easy feat. Can you just be real frank? Um, and like, what is the what are your hopes for raising funds in 2023? Like, what's your monthly gap? I mean, be as frank as you can, because we yeah. want to share this with the community and see yeah. what God lays on people's hearts. Yeah. So I. I my fam like my family of origin really lives in like a a a poverty kind of mentality of like there's not going to be enough so just like keep on going on and I I think really the thing that God has really been speaking over my heart is one I'm not an orphan and two like God is abundant and is going to provide and I need to actually start living like that's true 
need to actually start living like my dad is going to provide for me. Um, so I need to stop trying to live paycheck to paycheck and start trying to like live a more resilient, yeah, yeah a more resilient life. <laughs> uh, and I need to be more gracious with, with myself and, and not, not treat myself like a slave, um, and really recognize my, my worth and my value as a child of God. Um, and in order to make that possible and in order to like help pay off, you know, thank Hopefully I can get some student debt relief. We'll see what happens. Um, but to be able to kind of like take take the pressure off a bit, I do need to raise um, about $1,000 per month uh, to, to really move into a space of living into, okay, you're going to be able to breathe at the end of every month and not feel like you're pinching pennies and skipping meals in order to make things continue to to flourish in this community because that stress takes a toll on who on my own health and well-being and in turn makes it really difficult to be able to serve people really well so my hope and prayer um yeah is to be able to close that gap um so yeah good thanks it's good to know you just specifics around that thanks yeah, for sharing. yeah of course um, well, I just as a final question, and then Drew and Ann and Scott, if you have anything you want to add, please yeah. unmute yourself and add. Um, but you know, this is a big question, Leslie. But if if any if, if you've had a chance to reflect, or if anything comes to mind, I just wonder as we as we are coming to the end of a calendar year. Happy birthday soon, by the way, and um, moving into twenty twenty three. What are some ways that you're longing to see God move in the year ahead? Yeah, I. I'm about like a week before I do like, I've got two weeks off at the end of the year and I'm so excited. It's my, this is my favorite time of year. I love reflecting on like the last year and I love like dreaming ahead for the next year. And I actually like, I'm able to look right now at, I have create little, like I've done this since 2014 and like, I have little like resolution, little like post-it notes on my laptop. And, and one of the things uh, that's even on here is like, what does it mean to be set apart and consecrated? Um, and what does it mean to not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind and our heart? Um, and just that idea of, of putting myself in a position to be um, that Isaiah, like kind of six mentality of God coming and putting a coal on my lips and saying, I have made you pure. I've made you um, to be a voice to the nations. So I, I think about, you know, what the next year looks like there's going to be thinking about my leadership within gem. There's, there's a lot of upcoming opportunities to do a lot of really cool stuff. Um, nothing's for sure yet. So I can't like, I'll, I love the chat details at a later point, right, right, right. Um, but it's a lot of like, wow, this is the stuff I've dreamed of my whole life. This is the, like the kind of movement of God I've longed to see since I was a teenager, like we might get to be a part of like an incredible move of the Holy spirit across London. And I pinch myself every day and I can't believe this is all real. Like I, I was chatting with a, a group at, at church and one of the um, vicars of our community, Toby, I mean, we were talking about it and we're like, we're in the golden years. Like right now we're in the time where we will look back 20 years from now and be like, this is the stuff like this is the stuff, but we got to see 
you know, 80 people come together in a little like square during the summertime. And we did a barbecue and people got healed while we were eating like barbecue chicken together in this park. And like just the crazy kind of stuff. Like there, I feel like we're on the edge of that and I'm very excited about that. And I think it takes a long time to build a foundation in this kind of, in, in London and in this culture. And in my relationships, people consider me a Londoner now. And in my relationships, there's where we've hit that point of trust where we're having conversations unlike anything I've ever had before. So yeah, it, I, it just feels like I'm beginning to like taste and see that the Lord is good and all the fruitfulness that I've like planted seeds in is really coming to fruition right now. So I, there's, there's a lot of hope and dream for the next year. And even in, in the next, this time next year, I will be a permanent residence here. So I won't have to do visa paperwork anymore. I will be uh, legally able to work at a coffee shop again. And y'all, I cannot tell you how excited I am about that. I, I've like, I really want to make a really good flat white for someone again. <laughs> I want to like duck back into all those little like Rose street habits that I have because yeah. I'm really good at it. And I know that that is like an opportunity for ministry that God really wants to do. And, you know, kills multiple birds with multiple stones yeah. to be able to also help make a living here as well. So there's just, there's even more, London becomes more of a home every single day. And this time next year, it is, it is going to be even more real. And I'm, oh, wow. I, I, yeah, get really emotional about it. Cause it's, it's the dream and it, it keeps happening. Wow. Thanks Leslie for sharing that. That's reason for us to come visit a flat white uh, made by Leslie Hall. Sounds good. Come on, come on over. I've, I've one of the other reasons to come visit too, but that does sound nice. (laughs) One of the things I really like, it's been wild. I think I've hosted about 15 to 18 people in my very tiny flat in London over the last year of just like friends of friends being like, Hey, can someone come sleep in your living room? Absolutely. So that is an open invitation at all times for anyone. There's, there's an air mattress. There's, there's plenty, there's not a lot of space, but we will make it work. Make it work. That sounds good. Well, that's wonderful, Leslie, and good to know how specifically to pray, particularly around the visa process, the the, the funding gap of about a thousand a month, um, along with just an ongoing deepening of relationships, which it sounds like is happening. And it, yeah. uh, the way you talk about it, it does sound like you're on the precipice of something, like there's something shifting and moving and what a joy. Um, well, unless the Ellis crew, please unmute yourself if you have anything you want to ask Leslie or add. Um, otherwise, Leslie, any parting words for the UCC community? Ooh. Yeah, I think for UCC, it's just like your fruitfulness is like beyond what you can see or even imagine. Like kind of that picture of like the dandelion that like gets spread out, like when I think about who I've rubbed shoulders with in the UCC community and even my own life, like you are having impact and fruitfulness that literally impacts the whole world. Like it is my, my ministry exists here in London, but it's in Frankfurt. It's in um, Paris. It's in all these other different places across Europe. 
and in different relationships that I have with even my friends. And I'm sharing what God has done through UCC. Globally. Begin to really like imagine, like, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get to see it in eternity and we'll get to see like all the little like lines crossing and like all the like, woof, the whole big picture <laughs> of everything. But just be really encouraged that like the things that you're doing have just an absolutely magnificent kingdom output, like outcome and um yeah input into the world so i'm just i'm very thankful for the way in which this community has ridiculously loved and cared for me over the last i don't know however long it's been time is a flat circle and i don't remember i don't barely know what year it is anymore but it is just such such a joy to have such a beautiful family and a lot of that's within ucc so i'm really grateful for the for each and every single person um, in that community, whether we've actually met or not, because we're still part of the same story and still part of the same same community in heart. So good. Yeah, well, we're grateful for you, Leslie, and proud of you. Just, I mean, just Ooh. as I've watched even just the past few years, just you, you are a leader. You're a leader in the church and you're doing amazing things and you're doing it in a big way and in small ways. And it's, uh, it's inspiring. So keep yeah. doing what you're doing. Thanks. And I pray that you'll have some rest this season as forward to 2023 as well me too good stuff all right well i'm going to stop recording and say goodbye to our ucc family bye everyone thanks for love y'all